AgBioScience is supported by Indiana Farm Bureau. This is AgBioScience. Welcome. Thanks for joining. I'm Mitch Frazier, CEO of Agronovus Indiana, and this is the podcast where we explore all things AgBioscience, the people, the products, and innovations across food, animal health, plant science, and ag tech. What began in 2017 with a U.S. Department of Energy grant to explore remote sensing for field-scale plant breeding and research? is transforming data acquisition across the ag bioscience economy and more. This is an incredible story. Today's guest is here to share how that technology is advancing and how its applications are improving everything from plant breeding to oceanography. This is going to be fun. Welcome, Matt Bechtel, CEO of Ag Tech Company. Griffin, Matt, it is awesome to see you. Thanks, Rich. It's great to see you. It's great to see everybody at 16 Tech. It's uh, I remember the vision of this years ago, so it's great to see it in person. And here we are. In yeah, 3D. it's amazing. It is good. Your work in Griffin, uh, just an elegant combination of hardware, software, become this powerful source for innovators across the economy. Before we learn more about Griffin, Matt, we have to learn more about your journey and how your journey from a couple startups to some really interesting experiences has shaped your approach to innovation. Share more about the Matt Bechtel journey. Yeah, it's uh, not a straight line, that's for sure. I joke that I, I went to the Ag University of, of Indiana, which is Indiana University. Um, so I, I got started <laughs> there in, in, in public affairs and, and I fell into a class in remote sensing because I was doing environmental science and really fell in love with the intersection of, of for agriculture, business, technology, the environment, you know, how, how does that overlap? And I saw these spatial technologies as a really exciting and, and at the time cutting edge way to think about problem solving, uh, profitability, and as well as the environment. And so I went to grad school after that to continue that work. I had a, a wonderful opportunity to do what we call multi-sensor work. So we were using different kinds of satellite modalities, radar, visual, and we were looking at East Africa in developments, tea plantations, these kinds of things. So I've, I've had this love of the, the kind of multidisciplinary interaction. Um, and I would not shut up about agriculture. And I got a job at NASA, of all places, doing agricultural research. And it's what uh, is really drives me today because uh, at the time, and it's, it's, a, it's an interesting topic from an economic perspective, but um, we, we failed. You know, we were trying to really do this cutting edge technologies with hyperspectral and airplanes. We were spending $100,000 a day. And now I'm 25 years removed from that. And I'm allowing our customers to do that on their own as much as they want for about the same price point is mind blowing to wow. me. So that's really kind of how I got here. And then you mentioned the, the, the Department of uh, Energy, the ARPA grant. So at th this time right now in politics in the world, let's say something good about Congress. Um, one of the <laughs> cool things about ARPA, most people have heard of DARPA, which is the sure. defense side. And ARPA is the civilian side. So we were Department of Energy focusing on, on biomass and such. But they are congressionally mandated to spend 15% on technology to market. So the reason I got involved is because academics, that's the last thing they think about. And they got to the end of the grant and said, you know, we should probably spend this money on technology to market. And I came in as a consultant under my consulting company, GeoSilos, and then in 2020 became CEO of the company Griffin. Well, that origin story of Griffin, I mean, you have eight Purdue faculty members all focused on this problem, right? This problem to be solved. Give us an idea. What was that problem? And what was this unifying effort? And they said, hey, we should go hire this Matt guy and see if he can take this problem solution package and create a product with it. Yeah, I highly recommend against eight co-founding academic 
kind of startups, um, but it has worked. And it worked because of the multidisciplinary nature. So uh, what was the problem? The problem is that plant breeding is really, really hard. Uh, it's time intensive. It requires a lot of labor. So really you've got PhDs that are out in the field measuring things, counting things by hand, using literally sticks to measure, okay, how tall is this plant? How many leaves? So the idea is, okay, how do we then use sensors and sensing to one, automate some of these tedious repetitive tasks, two, to scale those tasks across time and space, and but number three, also bring some objectivity. So you might look at a plant and say it's a disease rating four, and I might look at it and say, that's really a four and a half. Well, sure. that's not really helping when the lifetime of a seed from, from first stage to market is six years, that doesn't help. So we brought together biologists, plant scientists, electrical engineers, aviation and technology for UAVs. And that, those founders really tried to come together to say, how do we approach this technology in a very systematic way? And, and that's where we then took it and say, well, how do I make it a real company? And it's been incredibly successful. Matt, I want to step back just a bit. Because you talked about this and you were humble, you were sort of gave a quick flyover, but you were a pioneer by definition in spatial data. Really, how do you use location data to improve performance in agriculture? You talked a little bit about what was then and what is now. How have you witnessed not just the technology evolve, but this demand evolve for sensing high quality data to really focus on plant breeding? Yeah, I think pioneer is just a euphemism for being old, um, <laughs> which I am, I'm definitely getting there. You know, but I, I think I appreciate that. And it is true. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that I respect uh, is that in, in my world coming from this, the pioneers were people that were promoting these these new software technologies in the 1960s or that were doing imagery in World War II and really thinking about intelligence and film and those kinds of things. And so th those for me are the real pioneers. But I think where I brought... Uh, kind of um, an advantage or a unique perspective gets back to that education. You know, I've got a little bit of business, a little bit of economics, a little bit of environmental science, a little bit of agriculture, a lot of public affairs. How, how do you think creatively about that, these problems in a holistic way? So what I tried to do in agriculture was say that, hey, precision agriculture is the future. It's going to be really interesting. But my passion is, well, why aren't we using these same approaches at the business scale? Right. Why aren't we looking at sales and marketing spatially? Why aren't we looking at customer success and routing and logistics spatially? Um, and then I think that's where I, I really brought my kind of advantage. And then I looked at it through the lens of economics and business. At the end of the day, where is the value and not just technology for technology's sake? And and then culturally, as we've adopted those, we keep pushing the envelope. So it used to be good enough to go have your doctor look at you and maybe take an x-ray. And now I want a real-time scan of my heart. Right. I, I'm, I'm of that age. I want to avoid any kind of probing and prodding of, that you have to do in your 50s. Hey, can I get a scan right. and really know what is my health? Well, the same things are now being applied to other industries, and we're trying to be at the forefront of that. How will this technology evolve? How will sensing shape the next chapter of the economy? We'll learn about it right after this quick 60 second break. We'll be right back. Being your own boss is a different kind of job. You have to work harder, smarter, and you can't afford to let your health slow you down. That's why Indiana Farm Bureau is there with more affordable plans for members who need to stay on top of their health so they can stay on top of their business, whether it's a farm or any other kind of company, concern, or enterprise. To learn more about medical, dental, vision, and Medicare supplement insurance plans sponsored by Indiana Farm Bureau, visit infbhealthplans.com. 
Welcome back to Ag Bioscience. We're joined by Matt Bechtel, CEO of Griffin. Matt, you have really, again, nailed this idea of spatial data. You've advanced plant breeding tremendously with Griffin, but you're starting now to say, okay, what else? What else can Griffin do? Share more about the application that you're seeing in forestry, oceanography, maybe even some defense applications. What what else is Griffin tackling now with this sort of tailwind of success behind it? Yeah, so three, I think, maybe quick points on that. So first, back to agriculture. Why do we do what we do? And so um, when you use these sensing tools, there's no one sensing device that gives you all the information you need. So for example, we fly typically uh, in our configurations, a, a visual camera, much like it's on your phone. Okay. And that's used for really high accuracy precision for machine learning, for counting things in patterns, lots and lots of detail. And then we also use what's called a hyperspectral scanner. So our eyes th see three shades of, of color, red, green, and blue. But there's hundreds of bands of information out there that we use to understand chemical biochemistry. It's kind of like when we look at these stars or these planets and we know, oh, it's got gold, it's got iron, it's got this. Well, we're looking actually at light. It's just light that we can't see. So we've got that sensor. And then we're using LIDAR, much like on autonomous cars. We're sending out laser pulses. That's giving us structural, physical information. And so we have to merge that all together. So Griffin is really solving two major problems. One is how do you integrate all that technology, all those sensors? Number two, how do you process it efficiently? And then you've got this, what we call multimodality. You know, I've got different perspectives. So on average, we fly at about 150 feet in the air. Okay. For every square foot, we have 75,000 samples of information. That's physical information like height. We have spectral information of red, green, blue, 270 hyperspectral channels. We have the intensity of the light beam. We know where it is at the top of the canopy in the middle of the canopy. So now it's the, oh, I can start to understand a much different context about my environment instead of just height or sure. color. Well, agriculture isn't the only one that has that challenge. And so from day one, we always said we are in a niche market. We build bespoke hardware solutions with software that can apply to others. And so now we need to solve those problems in forestry who have the same things. How do I penetrate the canopy, understand the understudy for forest fires? How do I look at coastal ecology to understand the impacts of global warming and salinization? Uh, or we are starting to do some defense and intelligence applications of Okay, I want to know what the energy information is on that because it's a bad object in space. But I also want to know, is it on the second floor? Is it is it up 20 feet in the air? Is it on the ground? Is it hidden? Is it camouflaged? So these same technologies apply. And so what we're trying to do is really streamline our offerings to make it widely applicable to anybody. When you look at the tremendous amounts of data that you are acquiring, whether it's in agriculture, whether it's in defense, wherever it may be, how do you make sense of it? I mean, one of the challenges I think agriculture has had, at least in the modern era, is there's almost, you can drown in a sea of opportunity, right? With all of this data, all of these insights, but you, you can't really act on them. How do you how do you take all this information and make sense of it? Yeah, so I'll be uh, cynical, Matt, since I've, I'm the old guy and I've been around for 25 years in this industry. <laughs> um, we made a lot of false promises in remote sensing about what you could and couldn't do. We made it appear as if those answers were just going to reveal themselves. That's not the case. It takes a tremendous amount of effort and, and expertise to figure out, okay, so what does this mean and what do I create that's actionable? On our side, you know, we, we might measure a, a, a relatively small part. So say it's 40 acres, which is a pretty big research trial. We might have half a terabyte within 60 minutes. Uh, so 
churning that into actionable information and insights is really important. And I'll be the first one to say, we really don't do that. What I have focused on entrepreneurially is the biggest challenge is how do you put these things together? How do you maintain accuracy and, and quality? And how do you provide the easiest to use, best quality data set for customers possible? And then they take off and run. Because quite frankly, a lot of them have intellectual property and proprietary approaches that we never see. So our job is really to make it, you know, we, we say we do a couple of things. We take the lab to the field, we maintain precision and accuracy, we make it as easy to use as possible. And what we try to do is shorten the gap between acquisition and analysis, because time is everything. And so if we do those jobs, our customers will be successful and they'll leverage other partners for the analysis. But it's a massive challenge. Oh, for sure. And the, the discipline that it takes as the CEO to say, oh, I, we could do that. We could, we could solve that. But you have said intentionally that's somebody else's work. We're going to be great at this. We're going to own this space and work with partners. How's that been as the leader and trying to hold yourself back, I have to imagine? Uh, I, I don't say I'm the, the most disciplined person, but I think that's a good word in this case. Um, in, in a few fronts, like, you know, for example, uh, price discipline. You know, we came out and we knew that we had to start dropping the economics. So these platforms run anywhere from one hundred and forty or one hundred fifty thousand to four hundred fifty thousand dollars. These are flying luxury cars. They're flying laboratories, but not everybody can afford those. They're also discovery tools. The idea is, if I'm going to put out a four hundred thousand dollar flying sensor, I want to learn things from that so I can put out a bunch of fifty thousand dollar sensors. So you know, we started off with price discipline. We can never raise prices. How do you do that? Well, you start at the price you think it needs, and then you continue to find efficiencies, which we're starting to do. COVID killed us, supply chains, um, Ukraine, uh, the Middle East, a lot of these sensors are very expensive and high demand, uh, but we've been very disciplined about that. Staying in our lane has been very important. I am probably too conservative by most of our kind of startup peers in Indianapolis. I believe in base hits. There's a time in life to swing for the fences and be bold. Uncle Elon's got the cornered, uh, market cornered on that. Um, I want to hit base hits. I want to grow jobs. I want to create opportunities. So it has required a quite a bit of discipline because it is a lot of uh, shiny objects mm -hmm. uh, out there that you can chase. And we've been uh, very steadfast in what we've tried to do. Ben, I want to zoom out just a bit as you talk about this entrepreneurial journey and this discipline that's required. You've learned a lot. You talked about geo silos earlier, your consultancy. I think we'll drop the uh, your interview from your geo silos day down in, in show notes so you can go back and listen to that and hear what Matt's doing on that front. But you've learned a lot, some through success, some through probably not success like all of us. For those entrepreneurs that are listening, what advice can you share with them as, as they're working through their MVP, they're working through go-to-market? How, how can they narrow in on that thing like you did at Griffin to really be successful? Yeah, I mean, my journey has been definitely strange. Um, you know, this ARPA-E opportunity was a blessing. Uh, they fund things that are impossible to fund. Uh, so, you know, that we've now translated that. So we've now earned in revenue twice what we got from the grant. Uh, I believe that we will double in revenue next year again. Uh, this year was a little bit flat because of macroeconomic climate. So we have narrowed in that thing. We have found that, that demand. But I, I think one, I mean, find out what you do well and do it well. The noise will be the fastest way to burn money. Now, if you're going to fail, fail fast. So that's not a bad thing. But I, I think that the, the thing that you have to remember is it is an emotional roller coaster because you really are out on an island by yourself a bit. Um, you don't want to talk to your staff about 
the extra problems, the the worries about cash flow, uh, the worries about increasing interest rates. That only creates kind of a distraction for them. So I think you have to be pretty stubborn and pretty hard headed to take the beatings. Uh, I love the old stick, the pirate stickers of uh, the uh, the beatings will continue until morale improves. <laughs> Um, I've taken a fair share of those. I mean, for me, one of the biggest challenges was mitigating kind of the the perfection is the enemy of good of, mm-hmm. of academia and the reality of a usable, reliable product. Um, so, I, again, but I, I think, number one, we we're not a drone company. We're a sensing company. And number one objective, what are the objectives of the customer today and tomorrow? And how do we then build a bridge to make them successful today, but build in agility and build in value proposition for them? So our entire architecture is built on agility to help lessen the investment they need to make when they want to do updates. Today's mentality is disposable. I'm going to buy a drone and a sensor. I'm going to put it in a closet when it's done. These are scientific instruments. You can't do that. So I think really thinking not only today what your customers need, but in the future and being disciplined around what you do well and being tough and stubborn about believing in it and moving forward. You do that, you'll be all right. The power of conviction is real. Power and conviction is is very real. And at times I feel like a Rocky Balboa and I just take a beating and keep standing up. Um, and I want to be a smarter fighter, not a tougher fighter. Uh, but there's a there's a role for that. And again, I believe in base hits. You keep getting men and women on base and opportunities to score will come. Yeah, indeed. He is Matt Bechtel, CEO of Griffin. Matt, it is awesome to see what you're doing. Great to see you. Thanks for spending time with us on Ag Bioscience. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity and best of luck. Thanks so much for tuning in today. You can get the latest Ag Bioscience news and insights from discussions just like this by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. And while there, you can access our entire library and give us a review. Don't forget, you can always learn more online at agronovisindiana.com. On behalf of the entire Agronovis team, I'm Mitch Frazier saying thanks for listening. We look forward to seeing you real soon. This podcast is a product of Agronovis Indiana in collaboration with Inside Indiana Business, hosted by Mitch Frazier. Produced by Kayla Chittister and Fabian Rodriguez. Photography by Kaylee Kerr. To get all ag bioscience news all the time, visit agronovisindiana.com.